We're in a series that I'm calling I'm Only Human. And uh, what we're talking about at this time is the fact that we are all human beings. We are all fallible. We all slip up sometime. But that doesn't keep you from being usable by God. He does wonderful things with people that uh, just don't have it all together. In fact, the uh, less you have it together, whenever he uses you, it's clearer that it's God and not you. And so uh, I, I just uh, remember one of my favorite uh, things that Paul said was that uh, my uh, power is perfected in your weakness, that his strength shows through our weakness. And so you shouldn't feel guilty about being a human being. Yeah, we do things that make us feel bad, and they should. But that doesn't mean that God can't use you today or tomorrow. If you've messed up, that's why the Lord had us, he instituted the Lord's Supper for to remind us that uh, he loves you in spite of yourself. He loves you more than you love you. And uh, he would just love for you to get more in contact with the fact that you are precious in his sight. And this is uh, what we're all about uh, during Lent this year. I don't want you to let the devil beat you up because you're human. I want you to know that the blood of Jesus covers your sins. God wants to be involved in your life in spite of your humanity. He made you the way you are. And uh, if you didn't hear last week, we really nailed down the old covenant and the new covenant. And it's been nailed down uh, in you that uh, you're under a new covenant and you're not under the old covenant anymore. And so this week we're looking at Peter and we saw uh, in the scripture reading, after Jesus has been resurrected and he's uh, walking along with Peter and he asks him three times, do you love me? And uh, we're going to start with Peter uh, walking on the water, which is a pretty divine thing. And I'm pretty sure that no one here has ever walked on water. Have you? Have you? I mean, let's just double check. Well, I know I've tried. I've tried. Have any of you tried? Raise your hand if you ever tried to walk on water. Thank you for being honest. It's okay if you tried. I've shared with some of you how when I was a little kid, we'd go to church, we hear about Jesus walking on water and, and Peter walked on the water. And if we had the faith of Peter, we could walk on water. And at the public pool, we we weren't supposed to run there, you know, because of the concrete side. We just get up ahead of steam, or they just start yelling, "I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe," and just try to run it. The best anybody ever did was three steps, and each step was deeper into the water. But uh, anyway, it never worked. As I was thinking about that, I remember one time. It was uh, the closest I ever saw anything like that happening. My grandparents had a fish pond. And it would sometimes, 
It used to get colder than it does now sometimes. Anyway, this fish pond would freeze over. And all of us cousins were out there. It's always get to, good to get together with cousins because you get in so much trouble with your cousins. It's fun. So anyway, we were together and uh, the big boys were there and they were talking about, do you think that, uh, that, 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 that pond's frozen enough where we could walk on it? And uh, I had one cousin that uh, he was the one that was always the one going to do things and get, get the big, big he, was, he was it, you know. So he stepped out there and he stepped a little further and he stepped a little further and he walked very gingerly out to the middle of the pond when everybody else was afraid to do it. And he stood there with a big grin on his face and I watched that grin turned to horror as he saw one of my cousins over on the side grinning real big and lifting up a shovel and he shot that shovel into the ice on the edge of the pond and it was just beautiful the way that the cracks just went through the ice just all the way across that pond and all of a sudden my cousin, with a shocked look on his face, just goes, boop. And all of a sudden, he's not standing on top of the water. He's standing in the water. That's the close, just that one moment. And uh, then down he went too. Nobody's ever been able to walk on water but Peter. And yet it seems in the Bible like you have nobody flubbing up as much as Peter do you. He, he messes up. He had like what we call foot in mouth disease. If he opened his mouth, he just stuck his foot in it, didn't he? And I can identify with that because sometimes I uh, think after I speak, sometimes I don't think at all. And uh, anyway, I just, I can identify with this. And so anyway, uh, in Matthew, the 14th chapter, we start out, it says, now in the fourth watch of the night, and that's from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., they'd adopted the uh, Roman time, and Roman time had four watches. 6 p.m., uh, the sun went down, and from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. was the first watch. From 9 p.m. to midnight was the second watch. From midnight to 3 a.m. was the third watch. 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., uh, just to let you know, that was the fourth watch. And so it was between 3 and 6 a.m. that uh, they were, it says, uh, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. So this is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. Isn't that something that they believed uh, in ghosts even way back then? It's a ghost, they said. And uh, they were, the, they were, and then these are the disciples that we look up to. And uh, they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Now I want you to remember those three words. It is I. He says, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, 
Now, Jesus had just said, it is I. And uh, now then Peter says, if it is you, and uh, uh, so I don't want to go there. that's human doubting. If it's really you, Lord, call to me uh, to come to you out there. And then Jesus said, come. And the disciples look at each other and say, he said, come. And Peter was kind of like my cousin. He got out of the boat and he started walking. And he did pretty good for a while. And then uh, he looked around and he saw all the waves and stuff. And then, you know, the, you know, the rest of the story, they started to sink. And then this one who was questioning if it was the Lord just cries out and says, Lord, save me. There's no doubt now. And the Lord did reach out and pull him up. And then he said, uh, he, he got a rebuke. If you notice that, he said, oh, you of a little faith. Uh, why did you doubt? And so, but then he gets in the boat. They both get in the boat. And everybody gathers around Jesus. And uh, he said, those who were in the boat came and worshiped Jesus, saying, truly, you are the son of God. But did you, have you ever noticed nobody went to Peter and said, you need a blanket? You need a towel? Nobody paid any attention to, to Peter. Nobody else. Here, he said, he's, he's there, well, at least I tried and I did make it a little way. Nobody's ever done that. And they pay no attention to him whatsoever. <clears throat> so Peter's the only one in the boat that's wet because he tried and nobody else pays any attention to him and all he got out of it was a rebuke oh you have a little faith why did you doubt <clears throat> and he's over in the corner thinking hey i tried i'm the only one that tried but uh sometimes maybe that happens to you you try and you wind up with a rebuke instead of a, a, a pat on the back or an attaboy. And so uh, <clears throat> I imagine that Peter, if he's like a lot of us, he was thinking, well, I'll tell you what, you're never going to hear me speak again. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut from now on. Every time I, I try to help and try to be helpful or say something, think, it always goes wrong. So I'm just not going to talk anymore. And then in Matthew 4, that's Matthew 14. Then in Matthew 15, uh, it says, uh, Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. And watch this answer. Jesus said, Are you also without understanding? Now that would have hurt my feelings. Wouldn't that have hurt your feelings? And uh and uh, are you still an idiot? You know, I mean, that's that's the way I would have taken that. And uh, so I know Jesus didn't say it like that, but uh, I've had a tendency to hear things in that way. And so I have to kind of learn to step back and process a little bit, you know, but it was a little harsh, don't you think? And I'm just wondering if Peter thought, 
you're never going to hear me speak again because I can tell you that, you see, I actually understood the parable. I was just asking it for the rest of the guys, okay? And so uh, he's there. That's Matthew 14 and Matthew 15. And then in Matthew 16, the very next chapter, this guy that's never going to speak again in verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, Some say John the Baptist. Now don't you imagine that Jesus kind of tilted his head at that one? Because here, he's John's John the Baptist's cousin. He grew up with John the Baptist. He went to John the Baptist and John the Baptist baptized him. They were standing there side by side. John put him under the water. And now some people are saying, some people say you're John the Baptist. I imagine Jesus probably did have to scratch his head on that. How do you do that? So anyway, but there was that. And then he goes around and uh, some say Elijah and some say Moses. And anyway, he says, who do you say that I am? And then Peter, the one that wasn't going to speak anymore, says he answered and said, he just got to speak. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus didn't rebuke him. He agreed with him. Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, this was not a human moment. This was a divine moment. But my Father who's in heaven has revealed this to you. And I also say that you are Peter. So he got a new name, didn't he? So, uh, You went from Simon, a little pebble, to Peter, a large boulder. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now, it's the rock of revelation. Uh, Jesus is the son of God. He says, in the gates of hell, uh, that's the Hades is a Greek word for hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And now he's speaking to all of us now, but Peter could have taken it like he was speaking just directly to him. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, it's a miracle. You got it right. And so, uh, but then you see, he gives him a name and And you couldn't, uh, anyway, you couldn't do that on your own, Jesus said. I I want you to know that. And then he talks about being a rock and getting keys. And I'm just wondering if Peter, since he was prone to take things very personally, didn't take this very personally too. And because uh, this next thing, it looks like he got a little bit of the big head. And we'll, we're going to go into that in just a moment. But I relate to this. Sometimes I can get the big head. I don't know. Maybe y'all are beyond that. I'm still growing up. Sometimes I get the big head. So we'll just leave it at that. And so he's, well, I, wouldn't, I can picture him walking along and saying, well, 
I guess you heard. I'm the rock. I'm rocky now, you know. And Jesus said, I was the rock. And he's going to give me some keys. I don't know what they're for, but he's going to give me some keys. And it's got to be a cool thing. But uh, he's going to give me some keys. So I kind of always thought of myself as the rock of the group personally. But now then, uh, the Lord, he's confirmed it. And that is so good. I'm the rock. And the reason I think he got the big head is because of what he does next. Look at verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed. But watch this and be raised on the third day. Now, this is the whole gospel. And he's telling them and he says, yes, I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to also be resurrected. I'm going to rise from the grave. And it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. It changes all of humanity. It changes all of humankind. And so uh, uh, in verse 22, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You have to be feeling pretty good about yourself when you take Jesus aside and rebuke him, don't you? He said, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Now that would hurt my feelings. You wouldn't that hurt your feelings to get thee behind me, Satan, and it gets worse. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Okay, a divine moment. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's divine. And now he rebukes Jesus. That's human. Are you following me on this? He's a mixture, just like you and me. And so I'm telling you, don't discount yourself. Do not count yourself out of being used by God because sometimes you're just like Pastor Joel and you're an idiot. Let's just face it. Because I've done this and I've done these things, I still say stupid things to this day. And uh, you think to yourself, I should have been smarter than this by now. I should be more mature in Christ by now. And yet these things just keep happening. And they will. They will. I could just see him taking Jesus aside and saying, now, uh, listen, uh, guys, we're going to Jerusalem and I'm going to be delivered up to the chief scribes and all. He said, and this is the third time that he's told them this. And he's, he's told them uh, four that I know of, four separate times. And he's telling them, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. He told them, I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to rise from the grave on the third day. And Peter just says, uh, Lord, can, uh, can I just speak with you for a minute? And he pulls Jesus aside. He said, Lord, you know, whenever you talk like this, uh, 
you know, I, I understand because I, I, I'm, I'm the rock, you know, but these other guys, they hear things like this and, and they get discouraged and you shouldn't be talking like that. You know, they're not on the same page as you and me. And uh, Jesus is saying, get thee behind me, Satan. You don't know anything about the things of God. And then Jesus just walks away. Satan? That's the third name. He was, he was Simon Peter, or he was Simon. Then he was Peter. And now he's, his name's been changed again to Satan. If I was him, I'd think I... I think I like Simon better, you know. Uh, who wants to be called Satan by Jesus? Man, that had to sting. So I imagine he was thinking, okay, I, I was just trying to help. Uh, and then you call me Satan. You changed my name from Simon to Peter and now Satan. I want to go back to Peter. Um, I can tell you one thing. You're never going to hear anything out of these lips again. I've had it. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut from this time on. And he made it six days without talking. And then came the Mount of the Transfiguration. We looked at this a few days ago. He said, oh, Lord, this is good that we're here. If it's okay with you, I'm going to build three tabernacles. And then Jesus doesn't have to say a word because now that God's getting tired of listening to Peter on this stuff. And he says... This is my son, whom I love and in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. So uh, then Jesus washes his feet. And Jesus is there washing feet. And he comes to Peter. And Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? I wish I could have seen Peter of oh, Jesus' face at that time because you see, it's okay, I got a towel, I got a bowl with water in it, you're number seven in line, and you're saying, Yeah, dummy, I'm gonna wash your feet. Yeah. And then he goes on and he says, Well, you're not gonna wash my feet. And if I don't wash you, you have no part with it. Then wash my my hands, my head, my, wash me all over then, Lord. And he said, and so Jesus again is basically just saying, you know, what you do, you, you don't understand. You're going to understand in a minute. I'm going to explain this to you. But right now, just be quiet, okay? And so we move on. And after that, he tells them that they're all going to fall away. But not, but Peter says, oh, no, Lord, he can't keep his mouth shut. Not me. Everybody else may fall away, but not me. I am going to hang with you no matter what. And I think that Jesus is probably just getting, you'd think he'd just be getting sick of it by now. And he says, assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. And so... Peter just digs his hole deeper and sticks his foot further in his mouth saying, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And here's what I'd like to say. Have you ever been told or have you ever told the Lord after you would committed a certain sin? 
I'm never going to do that again. And then did it anyway. I have. I'll never do it again. But he did three times before the night was over. In our passage today, we see Jesus asking Peter three times, do you love me? Do you know why Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Peter got it on the third one. He said, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, I love you. He said, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Lord, you know all things. And here's what Jesus was thinking, I believe. He was thinking, yeah, I know you love me. But do you really know you love me? I need you to get it through that thick skull of yours that even though you fail, you do love me. I know that. But do you know I love you? Even though you're a human and you made a mistake, I know you love me. I know that. I know that you love me, but I need you to know that you love me. And that's why I'm asking you until you get it right. Now, right before he said, all of you are going to be made to stumble. And we have to go to Luke to find it, but it's right before it. If you read in Luke, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. In other words, he didn't say, but I told him no, because he knew that Peter would grow from it. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned, in other words, you will leave, you will fall, you will leave me. And when you've returned, strengthen your brothers and sisters. Now, I have a question for you. Why did Satan ask for big foot in mouth? Why did he want him? Why did he ask for the guy that was always messing up, that was always saying the wrong thing at the wrong time? I'll tell you why. Because he knew that one day he'd be filled with the Holy Spirit and he would stand up and be the one that preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people would get saved. I'm just telling you that what you see as a weakness, God can turn into a strength. That even your failures can become victories because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Satan is great at seeing the potential in people. And he said, out of all these 12 guys, 
you know the one who's got the most potential? It's Peter. Do you know who the preeminent apostle of the New Testament was? You might think it was Paul, but it wasn't. The preeminent apostle in the New Testament is Peter. Peter was the one that's called the pillar of the church. Peter worked the first miracle after the resurrection. Peter raised the first person from the dead after the resurrection. And Peter took the gospel to the Gentiles, which is why most of us are in the kingdom today. Peter. And let me show you another passage about Peter. And this is divine. Acts 5.15 So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Apparently Peter were getting healed just from Peter's shadow. Now that's really divine, or as we say in East Texas, that's pretty doggone divine. But I want you to see one last verse. Peter gets this vision three times. God lets down these animals that are unclean and tells Peter to eat. And it's lunchtime and, and Peter's uh, hungry. But he, uh, he goes into a trance and, and Peter says, Lord, they're unclean. And the Lord says, what I have cleansed, don't you call common. And the people have quoted that, what I've cleansed, don't you call unclean. And that's fine. But that's not what the word really means. Listen to me. What Jesus has cleansed, he said, don't you call common. And he has cleansed you. I want you to stop calling yourself ordinary because you are extraordinary because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't look on yourself as being common. You're not. Even after you get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, even then you're human. Uh, but even when then the Holy Spirit might say, I'm going to minister through that person. I'm going to touch someone through that person. I'm going to give a word of encouragement through this person. And you could be just talking and, and even talking too much. And all of a sudden you say something that they needed to hear. And that's a holy moment. So even though you're human, I'm telling you that you are partakers of the divine nature. Sharon and I are going through all that we've been going through. We're sitting in the waiting room uh, at MD Anderson the other day, and we got to talking to a couple across the way. And it turns out that he had exactly the same type of cancer that Sharon did, only his was at stage four when they discovered it. And uh, anyway, we were talking, and uh, it turns out we put... Uh, anyway, we, we, we exchanged names and, uh, and we're going to be praying for each other. And then we shared and it was just, it just really spoke to this young lady 
that they had exactly the same types of cancer, that they were there waiting for uh, a word from the doctor. They got their word. His cancer had regressed. They got a good word. And Sharon gets the word right after that. Uh, there's a false alarm. You don't have bacteria in your bloodstream after all. You can go home. In fact, the doctor came out and squatted down in front of Sharon and told her that. Somehow through all of that, this young lady who's from Odessa, Texas, they'd flown in and were to, to be there for this, said, and she texted me and said, I was so anxious and worried, but just visiting with y'all and talking about the Lord and him being even in this, all of a sudden I'm at peace. He can use fallible people, even in our weakest moments and in the places where some people say, well, if you're a Christian, what are you doing at MD Anderson? The Lord uses you where he puts you and you just go on with it. Okay. Now, I do want you to learn to walk in holiness. And I do want you to learn to overcome uh, your sin. Because you see, this message is primarily for those of you who have what you might call a besetting sin in your life. You have a sin that you keep falling into over and over again. And you keep counting yourself out as far as being used by God. And this message is to say, don't count yourself out. Come to communion, confess your sin receive his forgiveness and walk forward in newness of life ready to be used by God who loves you and knowing that you love God let's pray Lord I pray that you'll take your word that has the power to set men and women free and set people free this morning and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will use us as ambassadors for you and will use us as humans that can do divine things through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.